May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from Christ our Savior, who unites us as one in the Spirit. Amen. Our epistle lesson from 1 Corinthians 3 will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. Back during World War II, at one point, Adolf Hitler had put an edict out there to all the churches, ordering them to unite as one, mainly so he could control them all at once. All, most of the religious organizations did so, except for there was a split in one of them, the Brethren Assemblies. Amongst the Brethren Assemblies, half of them complied with the order and the other half didn't. For those who complied with the order, well, suffice it to say that things went a lot easier for them. But for those who didn't comply, things were very turbulent. There was much strife. They were persecuted fiercely. And for those who didn't comply, almost every one of the families uh, lost somebody in a concentration camp. When the war was over, there was very bitter feelings between these two groups that were split in the Brethren Assemblies. The irony of it all was that the Brethren Assemblies had agreed uh, on, on multiple things. They had agreed that you know, this is the, you know, they, they believed in the divinity of Christ. They would adhere to God's word and stand together united. They agreed that they would promote the peace of Christ and show people what the peace of Christ was like. And yet here they were, torn apart, divided right down the middle, bitter enemies at this point. Finally, after the war had ended and people were putting their lives back together, the leaders from the two groups decided that healing needed to take place. So they got together, leaders from both groups, and they got together and they went out for a few days at a very quiet retreat where they spent a lot of time, the leaders, in quiet prayer, reflecting and examining their own hearts in light of God's word. And then they came back together. There was a man by the name of Francis Schaefer who told of the incident, who had a friend who was one of the leaders in the groups, and he asked the leader, he said, so after you all had done all these praying and everything and came together, what happened then? He said, we were just simply one. We were simply one. He said, you know, after they had confessed their bitterness towards one another before God and to, you know, to God and whatnot, uh, and had relented and acquiesced to God's will, and let God's will take control of everything, then they were filled with an absolute peace and a harmony. And they went about the ministry united from that point forward. You know, that's, that's what God's love does. That's what his peace does. It wipes out the bitterness. It takes away the divisions. It unites and it heals people. And when the love and God and peace of God prevails in a person's life, especially in times of division and, and great arguments and disagreements, well then, you know what it does? It shows the world the undisputable marks of a true Christian follower. As Christians, we're called to leave, or lead, rather, not leave, but lead a cross-shaped life. One where we're united, no matter what the situation is. One where we are together as one in the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, with God's wisdom, not man's wisdom, leading the way. You know, we all know, though, that Satan certainly has other ideas. Ideas of causing chaos and driving divisions within the Christian communities. And, you know, there are many things that divide the Christian body today that would seek to split our cross-shaped life and apart, even here at Ascension. 
we have problems. Divisions in the church aren't new, of course. The Apostle Paul dealt with this in his day. He's dealing with them today in our epistle lesson from 1 Corinthians 3. It's a church in Corinth that's deeply divided. Deeply divided, especially, my friends, in the area of leadership of all places. Paul appeals to the church in the first chapter in in, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, to to stop the quarreling, to get along, (laughs) to be peaceful, to do things in a peaceful manner. He appeals them to, to all agree and not be divided. He even calls them out to lean on the wisdom of Christ rather than on their own wisdom. Because here, here's another problem in this church in Corinth. There are these elitists who think that they know everything, that think that their wisdom can lead them through all these problems and help them you know, uh, solve the, the issues of the church. There's quarreling and strife that goes on. One person follows Apollos and another person follows Paul. They can't agree on anything in this church. And you know, uh, in today's lesson, Paul further scolds them. He can't even address them as people who are spiritual. He's addressing them as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, grow up. Get over it. Grow up, people. There's jealousy and strife amongst them, and they're behaving in a human way rather than in a godly way. And I love what Paul says in verse 2 in our lesson today. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still in the flesh. You're not spiritual people is what Paul's saying. I fed you with the most basic things, hoping that you would grow and mature in the spirit so that you can understand you know, deeper uh, things about God. But no, no, you can't even get this right. You know, and that's exactly what the devil wants, friends. The devil loves nothing more than chaos in a church, in the Christian community. Nothing more than division. Nothing more than to set the wolves out amongst the sheep. You know, we've had our share of divisions in this congregation over the years. For those of you who've been around a long time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've had disagreements and arguments. We've had our favorite leaders and some we haven't liked so much. And even now, there's some fracturing that's starting to take place. There are disagreements over how to handle things, how to proceed through things. (laughs) We even disagree on Sunday mornings about the hymns we sing at times. It's just how it's been. But it's not how it needs to be. Why is it? Why is it that these things take place? Why are these arguments happening? And, you know, we have people who are becoming tired and weary and worn out from it all. Morale amongst our our leadership and and our staff and our volunteers are going down. And people are looking at us going, oh, look at you. Your, Your church is in turmoil. Even, and it's not just here at Ascension, folks. It's, it's across the whole Christian body. I've talked to other fellow pastors out there, and they have the same issues. It's, it's rife across the Christian body. And even in our own daily lives, we have times where we lean on our own wisdoms, trying to handle uh, problems in our lives and, and looking upon our own understanding to, to fix things. We get into arguments with our loved ones, our coworkers, and our friends. We're split over who we follow and the irony of it all is is that we're all on the same team. 
You know, as Christians, when these things happen, here's what happens. We lose sight of the cross-shaped life that we're supposed to be leading. Our lives become distorted. And then the gospel becomes lost. And when we lose sight of the gospel and what our critical mission is, then we also lose and miss out on the opportunities to bring people and communities the hope that we have in Christ. And here's another problem that happens. And of course, when when I'm about to say I'm generalizing across the Christian body, of course, but we have a tendency to martyr our leaders, to ostracize the people who who are volunteering and stepping up to do things. We beat them up and knock them down when some people won't even step up and volunteer themselves. It's because we're sinners at the end of the day. The divisions go all the way back to the garden. We've got to be able to recognize that, that we have one foot in this world and one foot in God's world as God's baptized believers, that we're still pestered by the devil today. The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once said, you know the greatest hindrance to Christianity? It's the Christians. The Christians. What are we showing people? Are we showing them the marks of God or are we showing them the marks of human beings? The ways to combat the divisions and the fracturing that goes on, it starts with feeding on the milk that is God's word. Years ago, there was a book written by two gentlemen named Crumbine and Toby. It was called, the book was about milk, and it was called The Most Nearly Perfect Food. And milk is almost just that, the most nearly perfect food. It's an astounding gift of God for physical nourishment. And you think about it, it contains all the essential elements of a human diet. It's got fat, it's got proteins, salts, a form of sugar, and all the essential vitamins. And the ingredients are almost all in a proportion to the human body, that what the body needs. And milk seems to be the one thing in nature that almost seems intended specifically for human consumption. And there's almost no immediate substitute for milk. Dairy producers in America have had multiple slogans over the years, but I remember one from years ago that said, you never outgrow your need for milk. Experts even agree that milk is the most nearly perfect food for people of all ages, both young and old. How fitting then that the Apostle Paul uses the word milk when he's addressing the church in Corinth and all their problems today. He says that it's the perfect, you know, it's, it's milk that he fed these people with because they weren't ready for the solid foods. It was milk that he was trying to nourish them with, that they needed to be fed on so that they can grow up in the spirit so that they can understand these deeper things. You know, God's word feeds us. It helps us to grow spiritually. It lends us his wisdom and guidance. It helps us to overcome those times that we want to lead on our own wisdom and guidance. It helps us to, to get through the troubles that beset us and the arguments that divide us. Maybe what we need to do, my friends, is, is take a, a stop, a pause, and do some deep reflection and ask ourselves, are we a people of the flesh or are we a people of the spirit? Are we feeding ourselves in God's word so that we can grow up in the spirit or are we neglecting it and becoming weak? Are we partaking of it, of God's milk? Paul certainly partakes of God's milk. It's God's wisdom that leads Paul to use some very sage imagery in addressing the division that's fracturing this church in Corinth. Paul proceeds to put his and Apollos' ministries now 
in proper perspective using a series of images. What does he use? He uses the agricultural imagery with this church, right? What does he say? Paul plants, Apollos waters. But who does he say does the growing? God. He doesn't say that Paul does this or that Apollos does this. He's basically saying, look, Apollos and Paul, we're brothers in the ministry. Side by side, we stand working together. I do one thing, he does another, but God's the one that grows it all. Paul knows what God's wisdom is, who does these things. Paul does not want the church in Corinth, nor any church for that matter, to see different leaders in church as a rallying point for competing parties. Nor does Paul wish to see people with elitist attitudes leaning on their own wisdom or beating up their leaders or portraying anything other than a cross-shaped life. And Paul points out that we are all God's fellow workers. What's he call us? We're God's field. You are God's field. You are God's building. So Paul's argued that at the heart of our identity is what? Oneness. Heart of our Christian identity is supposed to be oneness. Oneness in the body of Christ. And he then points out that we're all co-workers in the mission field. And he pleads for unity and a stop the divisions and quarreling and arguing. And his words are very much applicable to us today as they were all those years ago to the church in Corinth. Maybe what we need to do to overcome our, our divisiveness is stop and together demand an end to the quarreling and the arguments. Think about it. If we never demand an end to it, if we just turn a blind eye or walk away from it, it just continues. It just gets worse. Maybe we need to come together like those two brethren churches and say, we need some deep reflection. We need to together demand an end to it. And then when we can do that, maybe what we need to do back is step back like Paul did and say, I'm going to acknowledge my fellow brothers and sisters who are at work in God's field. I'm going to acknowledge the people who are doing these things and acknowledge that their labors for God are every bit as important as somebody else's. There's my sister in Christ doing work. There's my brother in Christ doing work in the field. And everybody's work is important. And we're going to come together because God's going to grow it, not us. We're not the architects and engineers. We're just the laborers. And once we demand all this, then perhaps at the end of the day, we can look back and say, yeah, it's about God. It's about the message of Christ. Maybe that's what we need to do is refocus and recenter ourselves on those things. If we really care about the church, if we really care about ascension, about one another, then we'll recognize that our divisions aren't healthy for God's people. Maybe we need to follow uh, Paul's plea and insist that we make the gospel message of the one true crucified Christ our common goal. You know, we may not have a shepherd right now. We may be going through this time of transition. But you know, when we're united in Christ, when we're showing the love and the peace shining through us in a cross-shaped life to other people, then it doesn't matter. We show people that we still have the one true shepherd leading us. And we show people what a true follower of Christ looks like. You know, it's, it's, it's not us that holds the, the cross together. It's not us that, that holds things together. It's the nails and the hands and feet of Christ that holds it all together. 
And it's not our wisdom that grows the fields or the buildings. It's God's wisdom. And it's the milk of God that causes us to grow and mature and to see these things so that when we're in the times of disagreements, we can overcome them. We are all children of God. God doesn't make junk. No one person is more important than another. We're all important, and we find our value before our Father. God sought to bring us peace and reconcile us through Christ. That's the wisdom of the cross. That's true wisdom right there. The peace and the healing and the reconciliation. What's the old saying? United we stand, divided we fall. Maybe we should say cross-united we stand. Divided because of our own wisdom, we're certainly going to fall. So I pray, my friends, I pray that we live a cross-shaped life. And we're going to show a cross-shaped life the more that we partake of God's milk, staying in his word and getting fed by him. May God richly bless each and every one of you in this congregation. May we come back together and be strongly united showing and portraying the peace of Christ and the love of God, and showing the world the true marks, the undisputable marks of a Christian follower. And to God be all the glory. Amen.